Appreciate you being out here this morning. We uh, get in the Word and try to be quick. Our brother Brian was going to play for us this morning, but we let him off the hook as cold as it is, so stay tuned for that next week. Well, if you were here with us last week, or if you weren't, I'll just give us a quick recap because I think it plays right into where we're at today in Scripture. Jesus calmed a literal storm. If you were here, you remember this. The disciples uh, were in the boat with Jesus. They're crossing the sea, and the storm comes up, a violent storm. And we were very honest and transparent last week. We said, honestly, if we could just speak real, that when the storm's come in our life, just like last week, the disciples, they look, and the storm is raging around, and where did they find Jesus? Anybody remember? Taking a nap. And we said, do you ever feel like in life, when the storm is going on in your life, do you feel the same thing, that Jesus is asleep? Like, Jesus, where are you at? I need relief here. I need you to, to step in and help in this situation. And we were honest with that. And it was a great response of them going to Jesus. That is where we, too, need to go when the storm is raging on. But we need to remember this, that in life, when Jesus feels as if he is asleep, when the storm is going on, that he is already at work. He knows what's going on. He knows the whole picture, not just in the moment. But we saw Jesus' response to the disciples. They went to him. They went to the, the one who could calm the storm. But his response was this. Oh, you of little faith. It was a proper place to go. We said that even last week, right? Not just in the storm. Not just when things are rough. Not just when things are bad, but in the good times, in the monumental good times, it is a great time to go to Jesus. We said that. None of us like to just hear from somebody when we're in trouble. And so this week, we'll get into yet another example of the authority of Jesus. So last week, we see a storm listen, even the waves and the sea obey him. That's what the disciples said. said they marveled at that. Who is this that even the seas and the winds obey him? A force of another kind today will stop and listen. I want to read the scripture. We'll pray. Talk about it here for just a few minutes. Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 28. It says, And we came to the other side, the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs were feeding some distance from there, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into this herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out, went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down to the steep bank in the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything that had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet him, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you speak to hearts this morning. Uh, Brantley's already prayed it, but every heart here that needs to be broken, 
uh, that you would do that, every heart that needs to be receptive, and that's us all, that we would listen, Holy Spirit, to your words. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. All right, so we get a little bit of time frame here. Sometimes we don't do that in Scripture. We just know that it happened after a certain event, but here we get specific timing. It says, when he came to the other side, that's how it starts out. So we're going to assume that immediately after Jesus has calmed the storm, the disciples, all of this event has taken place. It says when he gets to the other side. The other side of what? The other side of the sea. So the disciples had just seen this storm raging. Uh, it was raging so bad it says that the boat was swamped. Remember that wording from last week? And so as they've seen this, as they've encountered this miracle, they go to the other side. And we said it last week, the encouragement still on the hearts of the disciple, the waves and wind knew his name. They still know his name. It's seen this, and now they go and they encounter just this force of another kind. But I want to say this before we get into Scripture. I want to say this just from a, a place of full transparency here this morning. Make no mistake, everybody here that is breathing and is alive, I want you to look this way. As sure as you have a Savior available to you, and you do, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing or what you will do, the Savior is available to pay the price for your soul for all eternity. That's beautiful, right? But as sure as that is true, I want to assure you, every person breathing out here, and this is whether you've given your heart and life to Christ or not, you have an enemy. Very real. We don't want to give him more credit than the Savior because he is greater, right? The Savior is greater. But you have an enemy. If you need to look for Scripture as evidence, turn to page one. Doesn't take long for him to show up. He's on the last page too, by the way, but on the last page he's vanquished and he's put away forever. All right, amen? So we know the rest of the story. But you have an enemy. In fact, here's what it says about the enemy. This is real talk. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded and be watchful. And I'm going to add this. It's a question that's implied here. Why? Why do we need to be sober-minded? Why do we need to be watchful? Listen to what he says. Your. On that word, your. It's person. As a group, our, the church, all right? Your enemy, what does it say? You know this. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Anybody ever watch Animal Planet? When those lions devour, right? It's not a pretty sight. In fact, if you've been around long enough, you've heard this story, but uh, I cannot. It's like if you hear a song where there's just a, a deep memory to or personal meaning. You hear that song, you can't help but think about that event. Anybody with me on that? Maybe that's a, a love interest. Maybe it's a, somebody that's not here. Whatever, but that music just brings about. Every time I read the passage about like a roaring lion, I think back to Las Vegas. That's for me. Jimmy, don't get too excited here this morning, but we're talking about Vegas. I'm not talking about a tiger in a bathroom, but I did see a lion in Las Vegas one time. Where's Jamie? Jamie was with me. Saw a lion in Vegas. Everybody standing around thought this was the cutest thing in the world, but see, I knew what was going on. I've watched Animal Planet. I know how lions think and how they operate. And what happened is we went through a casino, 
just passing through. But we went through the casino, and there was a lion in a cage. I don't even remember which one that is. My, my good friend here probably would know exactly where it's at and can tell you the address. But nonetheless, we'll, we'll let that go. But he's standing there, and, and this lion is in a cage, and there was this child, and he was standing before the lion. Now, I know there was this you know, high you know, pressure-tempered glass that's in between, right? So the kid's safe. But I'm going to tell you, if this was a real-world situation in the jungle... This turns out differently. I want to tell you what I witnessed. You see, because our enemy prowls around like a what? Roaring lion. Alright? This kid was standing in front of the glass and he would get on over there. And you know what the lion would do? The lion would crouch down and he would rock right beside him. And everybody would laugh. Ha <laughs> look, he's, he's mimicking the kid. And the kid would stand there and do this and the lion would get up in his face. And then he would do like this, and the lion would take a step, and then he would go this way. The lion would take another step. Can I tell you what was going on? It was not some cutesy moment of, oh, look, the lion's in. He wanted to eat that child, right? That's what lions do. He was a roaring lion looking, saying, I, if this glass wasn't here, I would devour you, right? It wasn't as cute as what they thought it would be. And it's spiritually, when I read this passage, God always brings that story to mind. So what that means, how that translates in real life, is when I operate and live my life, when I step this way, guess who's stepping with me? The enemy, trying to trip me up, trying to put something in my path. He can do nothing with my soul. Let me tell you that. My soul's secure. In Christ, not because of me, I'm not a good person. Christ is good in me. All right? I'm secure in that, but he can trip me up. He can take my witness. He can throw things at me that really just throw me for a loop and make me forget my Savior. He can sometimes be the one that causes the storm, right? Bring all this stuff in life. Read the book of Job, right? And so our enemy is very real. He is like a roaring lion. So back to our story, the country of the Gadarenes. Two, not one, two demon-possessed men. And I want to remind you, the evil and hate, and I don't throw this out lightly. Can I, can I get your attention for just a second and let me tell you how real I think demon possession is? Can I tell you I think I've seen it in this very parking lot? And I'll tell you where it was. It was right there. I talked with a gentleman, and I won't say his name. I talked with him a couple months back. And what was going on was beyond some kind of bad trip. I believe it was something demonic. I don't throw that out lightly. I encountered that with love in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to tell you, you know, I cast out a demon or anything. I don't believe I have that power. Uh, Jesus doesn't need me to do that, right? But I interjected love into that situation. But when I say that, the hate, the anger, the evil that was darkness in the eyes, if you've ever seen that, I think that's real. And so when the disciples go here, there was this demonic possession, not one, but two. But I want to remind you, two was such might, such force, so evil. Here's what it says. No one could pass that way. But one person could. Amen? 
So they go to the region of the Gadarenes, they, they go and they said, there's two dudes out there that are so among the tombs, by the way, to add a little creepiness, but out there, such strong force, such strong will that no one can even pass by. In other words, don't go that way, right? Stay clear. What does Jesus do? He goes straight into the situation, right? If you want to know not just the wind and the waves, but the authority even over the enemy and his demons, I want you to see how strong Jesus is. Jesus enters the situation and he says not one word. They say, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? Even demons recognize the authority of Jesus Christ. They didn't need an introduction. He's been around from the beginning of time. Before the beginning of time. Make that work in your brain. He's always been. They knew him. They said, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? And the demons were so confused by the powerful presence of their creator, they come up with the idea... There's a herd of pigs over there. If you would just cast us out of these two individuals and let us go live there, we would be happier to do that than to face the powerful authority of Jesus Christ in this moment. You know the rest of the story. Jesus grants that with one word. He says, go. They enter the pigs. I want you to put that scene in your mind. A hilltop. They enter the herd of pigs, and then what do they do? They run off the cliff, they jump, and they drown themselves. Can you imagine the scene? Now you would think that the town, this, this country, this region, would hear about this amazing story and they would start celebrating and praising. But what did it do? It said it freaked them out so much. They said, Jesus, we're begging you. Not just asking. It says they begged him to leave the region. They didn't understand what was right there, that their creator God was in that moment. But reminder, to this point, no one could even pass. And Jesus says one word and cast them out. They begged him to leave. Fear not understanding this authority. I'm not sure. But here's what I am sure of. The enemy is real, but rest assured, so is your Savior. He and his word have given us a great battle plan. I want to share... A few of those in closing and one final thought. Get you out of here and get you warm. Here's a couple of thoughts from Scripture on resisting the enemy. James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Leave. Very good. Again, submit to God. Anybody know what submit? What's that international sign of surrender? Some of you have had to do it for the hobo. Hands up, right? I surrender. You got me. I'm Paul. Surrender. Submit, right? Submit to God. Resist those temptations and he will flee. That's a pretty good battle plan. Ephesians 4.27. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Sometimes we give him the greatest opportunity he needs. We give him that open door. Have your way, right? What if we're trained up? What if we're prayed up? What if we're, you know... Just constantly walking with God and saying, I'm not going to even give him the opportunity to get me. I'm going to walk with God, right? That means temptation won't come, but I am going to walk with Christ. How do we do that? Great question. Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armor of God. By the way, one real key word, and I wrote it in capital letters, full. 
you got a lot at your disposal. And I tell you this, though, walking with 100% full armor of God is a lot better than 80. Right? You say, well, man, I'm doing this, this, and this. But what about that, that, and that? Right? Put on no extra armor. Put on the full armor that's at your disposal. He's told us what that is. Everything that is at your disposal so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Anybody had any schemes of the devil thrown at you? Put on the full armor so you can stand firm. Just a few thoughts from Scripture there. And I'll close with one final thought. I want, to, I want to just hit you with this because I believe it's beautiful. We go back to 1 Peter 5, 8. In my Vegas illustration here, this lion, if you want to look every move you make, he's on your tail, he's hot pursuit, he's chasing you, he's looking to devour. Scripture says this, in that passage, your enemy, your adversary is like, keyword, like a roaring lion. Make no mistake, there is no uh, just coincidence here that our enemy is like a roaring lion, but our Savior is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's not like anything. He's the lion. The enemy is like he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And you say, well, why is that so important? I'll close with one last verse. First John 4.4. 4. He's a real enemy. He is in the world. But greater is he, if you know him, who is in you than he who is in the world. So I got a question. If you know him, greater is your savior than the enemy. You got it. You, you, you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. If you don't know him, there's a real enemy after you, and I know somebody that's great. It's one that the enemy, it's one that his demons listen to with authority and know him and even would say in a situation like this, because of the powerful presence of you, I would rather you cast me out into a herd of pigs and that we drown ourselves than deal with what you're bringing. Same in your life. The enemy's there, he's present, he's after you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you for listening. I pray that God has spoken to your heart. Father, we just thank you uh, for meeting with us today. I know it's cold. I thank you for folks' attention this morning. That's not for me. That's for you. And so, Jesus, we just pray that uh, in, in life we know that the enemy will attack. We know that the enemy will throw out temptations. We know that the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion. But we confess to you, we know you are not like a lion. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are our savior. You are a refuge. And so, Jesus, we need you. We pray that if there's someone here that doesn't know you, they are in the enemy's grasp. The enemy can do something with their soul. But Jesus, you can redeem that. If you've already done that in our life, let us walk boldly in that truth. Put on the full armor of God and walk with you, Jesus. We love you, we need you, and we thank you. We pray and we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.